Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by Caroline Alanthus, author, author of the novel Ecological Memory. Caroline, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Good to be here. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, Ecological Memory, how would you describe the novel? Uh, how long do I have? Uh, <laughs> Let's see, a uh, brief version. Um, it is post-apocalyptic optimism. So the world has ended, but, you know, the new one's pretty good. And uh, it's a scientific detective story slash uh, travel log. I can, you know, go into more details, of course, but that's that that's a short, short description. Do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing the novel Ecological Memory? Yes, I do. Uh, it's a bit of a story, though. Is that sure? Is that yeah, okay? absolutely. Um, see, it actually does all go back to when I was eleven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had this classroom assignment to um, rewrite the Constitution. You know, like these students were grouped in this state and these students were that state, and we were supposed to have the Constitutional Convention. We spent a couple, you know, a week or two of class time at this, and it was a lot of fun. And um, And when it was over, I kept thinking about it, like how else could the country be? And ever since then, I'd sort of been a daydream in the back of my head, like, okay, how else could this country be? Not necessarily better or worse, just there are options, you know? Sure. And uh, that daydream kind of percolated along until I was um, in my early 40s and getting really cynical about things. And I thought, well, okay, my alternative country could be what happens after this one falls apart. <laughs> That'll be so much better. And I, wait a minute. Here I am daydreaming how great it would be if civilization falls apart. You know, morally, that's just, you know, I mean, people would die. So right. it's a kind keep myself honest, I started wondering, okay, if that happened, you know, our society collapses and a new one that is in some ways better, although, you, you know, certainly not worse, a new one starts to develop. What would that actually be like to live through, you know, to, to survive the collapse of everything you knew? most of the people that you knew to just lose them and to have to put yourself back together. And what would that be like? And uh, ecological memory is the answer that occurred to me. When did you start writing fiction? And um, uh, was this the first novel you've ever written? And, and, you know, just give us a little bit about kind of how you um, began writing fiction. Okay. Um, Well, it all goes back to when I was 11. No, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I did start 
writing fiction in a sort of fledgling way when I was a little kid. Um, yeah, I've, I decided I wanted to be a writer when I was 11 or 12 years old. And, um, that's what I've gone ahead and done. I mean, that's, that's been the focus the whole time. Um, and what that was going to look like changed a little bit in my mind over the years. But yeah, basically I wanted to do what I'm doing now. Um, sure. And sorry, lost my train of thought briefly. Uh, well, do you, do you I write just, short stories as well as novels? Sort of. Um, I have mm -hmm. written short stories. Uh, one of the things that is just really too bad about the writing industry is that there are no longer a large number of magazines that buy short stories. You know, like sure. people like Hemingway and Vonnegut and, you know, they paid the rent basically by writing these short stories for magazines. And now we have dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And they are amazing. And I wish I could pay the rent like that. But uh, so I've written such <laughs> short stories, but you, um, very few of them have ever been published. Um, my next book actually will have some of them put in there because it, it, it's just it's just not a thing the way it used to be, which is really sure. too bad. Sure. Uh, I write short nonfiction. I have a couple of blogs. This is not my first novel. It's my second. The first one is uh, To Give a Rose. That one came out, um, oh, I don't know. It's getting to be a while ago now. Did you read a lot about climate change and ecology and kind of end of the world scenarios as you were researching this novel? Uh, yes and no. I mean, research. Uh, I have a master's degree in conservation biology. <laughs> so, uh, I that happened before I I did the um, I started work on the novel. So you might say I've, I've read a lot about climate change and ecology and and, sure. and things of that nature. I did read more <laughs> in the course of, of of writing. You know, there are places where it's like, well, you know, how does that work? So I go email one of my old professors, or what says <laughs> so I reread this book, or. Um, I did have to pick up some pieces that I didn't have before. Uh, for example, I didn't know that in this novel, the, the mechanism I chose to end civilization was a global pandemic, which is weird because I published this book <laughs> about a global pandemic. And within six months, oh my gosh, it was, it was creepy anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but I, so I, I read up on that, uh, sure. things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I mean, once the pandemic hit, people were, you know, sharing videos of a uh, Ted talk that Bill Gates had given a couple of years before about exactly that, you know, the, the looming, uh, potential for a pandemic, et cetera. Well, well, can you tell us about your writing process when you were working on ecological memory? Are you someone who before you sat down to write kind of the first page or the first sentence, um, you plotted out the novel or is it something where you just kind of um, had kind of a general idea and kind of dived into the narrative to see where it takes you? 
much more the latter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the alternatives you're talking about, writers call this plotting versus pantsing, as in writing by the seat of your right. pants. And uh, so it's, it's always this question, are you a plotter or a pantser? What do you do? And I'm, I'm sort of a, a modified pantser. So I write outlines and then I don't follow them. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's just to write down my ideas. And then if I have a different idea, I'll do that instead. But at least the idea I have is on the paper. So I, I write outlines, I write notes, I write backstory, I write w- world building stuff. Um, I write things out of order. So uh, I'll get an idea for a scene that goes at the end and I'll write that down. And I'll, when I write, I have... I have a couple, each novel has a folder and within the folder are a couple of different files. One file is the novel. So I start at the beginning, you know, once upon a time, not that actually, (laughs) but you know, the beginning, whatever the beginning for that particular novel is and go to the end. And then there's another file called odds and ends. And that's where all of the things that I wrote out of order go. So when I get to where that goes, I cut and paste and, you know, edit as, as necessary. And then there are the various files containing notes on character and backstory and world building and, um, yeah, calendar. I had a calendar for this entire book because when you read it, you notice that sometimes I'll mention the face of the moon. And I needed to know, okay, can they... In this scene, the moon is full, and in that scene, the moon is full again, so that's 28 days. And if they get from here to there, can they do that in 28 days? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm detail-oriented. Sure. What writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Uh I would advise people to ask specific questions. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I could say, do this. And I, I could list, you know, some advice that was helpful to me or something that I noticed that was useful. But an answer is really only useful in the context of its question. And, um, yeah, Douglas Adams fans will get that one. Uh, <laughs> And it's it, it's it's rare to encounter advice that really helps and works that isn't in response to a question. And when that happens, it's because it answered a question coincidentally, maybe a question you didn't know you were asking or something like that. But yeah, so I would say uh, Cultivate relationships with other writers, especially other writers who write the way you do, but better. And, uh, you know, build friendships with those people. And then when you get stuck, you call them up and you say, I'm stuck. What do I do? And then (laughs) then they'll give you the advice thing you need in that moment. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. That's that's good advice. Are you working on a new novel now? I am in well several. Um, <laughs> see, I, I I can't do just one thing at a time. That um, my one of my protagonists, Andy, uh, he is. Not entirely, but he's significantly based off of me. And at one point he says, I never could do just one thing at a time, and I can't either. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I'm working on, on, on multiple books, yes. But the, the sequel to Ecological Memory has um, just gone off to the proofreader, actually. So I, I hope to bring that out later this year. Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? I mean, think. Um, it's been a while since I sat down and read a new novel beginning to end. I tend mm-hmm. to read more nonfiction. Sure. But, well, what nonfiction uh, have you been reading? Oh, The Evolution of Plants. I'm about halfway through, and oh my goodness. Um, okay. Brief geek out, and if they're fellow plant geeks, this will make sense to you. And <laughs> uh, if you're not plant geeks, just understand how exciting this is to people who are. Uh, I have just found out that the big deal about angiosperms is leaf structure. Like this whole time, I thought it was seed structure or flower structure because that's sort of like what an angiosperm is, it's defined by flower and seed characteristics. But no, it's like the, the the leaves have more veins in them than any other group of plants have in their, which means that the leaves can photosynthesize faster uh, and process water faster, which means that they take up carbon faster, the trees grow faster, they... Um, uh, transpire more water vapor into the air. So you, you get, that's how forests started making their own weather, which they do. That didn't happen until angiosperms evolved. And I'm just so excited about this. So that is how geeky I am, just in case anybody was wondering. 
is it? I'm- oh, that that sounds wonderful. It sounds very uh, interesting. Well, I'm, I'm what what uh, fiction did you read early on? Maybe when you were you know an early reader that got you excited about books and reading and stories. Uh, well, the um. Actually, the, the the book that got, made me decide, okay, I want to be a writer, was was actually nonfiction, and that was Jaguars Ripped My Flesh by Tim Cahill or Cahill. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, you you, you want to read that book? It's a group of essays, um, and it's just he's very very good at what he does. But my my fiction influences, I did used to read a lot of fiction, still read some. Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, a Wizard of Earthsea is one of the best books ever written. Uh, and I read it like 15 times. I, it's just really good. And in general, when I get stuck, if I'm not, if I'm not going to go talk to a human, which I do, I do that. But, uh, you know, a living human who I actually know, mm-hmm. if I'm not going to go that route with my being stuck, I think, what would Ursula K. Le Guin do? And uh, it, it, she's just amazing. Um, Hemingway, of course. Um, my natural tendency is to sort of talk too much to me about melodramatic, and he cured me of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, you, th- those are the two big ones. Sure. But, but well, go ahead. Uh, as far as the craft of writing, Fiction and nonfiction, the difference between fiction and nonfiction is not as big as, as a lot of people might think. Um, I've, had, I've had two great writing teachers in my life, and the first one, you know, started me out and taught me, like, grammar and things like that. And the second one, you know, taught me style and structure and all of that good stuff. And that second one, um, Charles Curtin, was my um, thesis advisor in grad school. He's a scientist. He's not, a f- I mean, a lot of scientists are fiction writers also, but he's not. And uh, we were working on my thesis. You know, he sat me down and he's like, no, you have to get clearer here. And no, I don't know what you're talking about. And no, this is pretentious. You have to stop. Okay. So <laughs> pretentious. Thank God. And he, 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 he made me focus. He made me think clearly. Um, he would not respond to emails that were longer than a sentence. I'm not even kidding. Uh, if I wrote long emails, he would only respond to the first sentence, even if it was, how are you? He would say, fine, thank you, and not answer my question. I got really good at being succinct. If it took me an hour to write a succinct email, I would. And uh, and that's how I'm good at writing fiction. I mean, if 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 you actually read my first book and my second book, you'll you'll see the Charles Curtin influence there. So not that the first one's bad, but sure. You know, well, second one's better. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? The simplest thing to do is to do an internet search on my name. I am the only Caroline Alanthus in the world. So, um, I mean, I have a website, 
Mm-hmm. It's called newsfromcaroline.wordpress.com. But if you forget that or you for, you know don't write it down or whatever, just look at my name. You know, you can I uh, I'm literally the only one, so I, I've, I'll be right there at the top of the search results. That's a, that's a good advantage. Well, again, we've been speaking to Caroline Alanthus, author of the novel Ecological Memory. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Caroline, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Absolutely. Jaden hasn't emailed me, Elsie announced apropos of nothing as they strode along through an apple orchard east of the ruins of Concord. The area had once been a park and housing development, and old street trees and patches of broken asphalt lingered. The branches of the young fruit trees arched over the right-of-way path, a long flowered tunnel droning with bees. Andy frowned. Did you expect him to, he asked, trying to put her comment in context. Yes, no, maybe, she answered. She wouldn't normally have discussed her love life, or lack thereof, with her mentor, but there was just no one else to talk to. It probably doesn't help, but Saul hasn't emailed me, Andy offered. Did you expect him to? No, he had no reason. You're right, that doesn't help. Sorry. Andy, Saul knew you'd survived the collapse, didn't he? Excuse me? When he saw you in the media center, he seemed surprised, but he didn't seem that surprised. It's true he would have seen my name if he's kept up with the literature, Andy acknowledged. We had research interests in common years ago. And he didn't contact you. He let you think he was dead for 20 years. A dangerous protective anger welled in her voice. People have all sorts of reasons for why they do what they do, Elsie, he told her calmly. I haven't contacted everyone I once knew. She didn't respond, stewing quietly for a few minutes. The sky above the trees darkened with cloud. Thunder pealed nearby, and they looked around for shelter. A farm building, a ruined suburban house, anything, but found none. Everything had been recycled. There's got to be an equipment shed or something around here somewhere, Andy said. They jogged along the path as the air around them darkened to a soupy gray-green. The breeze died ominously. There, cried Elsie, pointing at the trees at what might be a building off to the left. Just then, lightning struck a tree nearby, its thunder exploding with an almost tactile crack. They both shrieked reflexively and ran, frightened but laughing like children, slipping and stumbling under a sudden downpour through high grass, slick and clingy with rain. The building was just a tiny tool shed, fortunately not locked, but filled almost entirely with folded stepladders, pole pruners, and other equipment. There was no clear floor space. They threw their packs in on top of the pile and squeezed themselves in to avoid under the handles of a wheelbarrow. Andy pulled the door shut against the wind. Did you see that lightning? he said, out of breath and exultant. I thought we were toast, she cried. Ha ha, soggy toast. It was hard to hear each other over the thunder and the drumming of the rain, so after a bit they quieted down and just sat together in the close, humid dark. It sounds like it's easing up, Elsie said at last. Open the door so we can watch. Okay. The sky had paled to a roiling gray, but the rain still fell thickly enough to hide all but the two nearest rows of apple trees. Every few minutes thunder drummed again, 
more gently now, as the storm center moved gradually off to the northeast. Andy straightened his legs out through the door and let his sneakers get soaked all over again. He wasn't a very big man, but he was bigger than Elsie, and he could not squeeze himself in under a half a wheelbarrow for very long. A mist of fine, shredded, rebounding raindrops beaded on his face like sweat. She saw that he watched the storm the same way she did, with intent, rapt wonder. Elsie looked at him and at the sky beyond him, and she had a new thought. Suppose that when he'd said, I don't usually spend that much time with my friends, he had not meant to contrast her with the set of my friends, but rather to include her in it. Suppose he'd just been trying to tell her what friend he could be. In which case, she wondered what kind of friendship did he need from her. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.